I shared a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, if I happen to say last week, that's a prerogative that I have. Forgive me. Shared a couple of weeks ago just concerning what I believe the Lord has shown us concerning the events of Katrina and Rita. Hopefully gave us an understanding and a revelation of, from our perspective, what is going on. Hopefully to allow us to be able to sort through this in a way that was helpful to us. And you remember, it's just something the Lord gave me during the week. I just said something to someone in conversation. I said, it's as if we've just gone to a funeral. And we're still in shock and still in the process of grief. And when I said that, I realized, you know, that's exactly, I believe, what many, maybe all of us have experienced to one degree or another two months ago today, August 29th. Today's the second month anniversary. And as I share today, I would like to share what I believe the Lord has for us within the context. If you were here last time, or hopefully you have gotten a tape of what we are saying, not only during this period, but as we continue to bring what we believe is the word of the Lord for you, that you've heard what we said or will get those tapes. But hopefully that today you will receive what I believe is a continuing word of God for us from that sermon. And remember some of the things that we shared. We understand. We've been through this. It is a burden for me not to see most of my family. It is a burden for me to go back into the city at night after leaving here and drive through vast areas of absolute darkness. It's a burden. I live in the city. It's a burden to see people gutting their homes where they have lived for years. Losing possessions. And we understand possessions won't go with us into heaven, but God allows us to have these and to have something of connectedness in these with one another and with our history and with our family. Losing possessions. We understand the burden of not knowing what the future is. Not knowing how it's going to work out. We understand the burden of Dealing with many emotions. Sometimes the emotion of, yes, it's going to make it. And next moment, emotion of, I don't know what's going to happen. I still struggle with some of these. It's yet not over in me. And I don't know whether it's over in some of you. And as I begin this morning, I would like to just express a personal word of appreciation to you. 
for being tenacious in faith. For holding on to God. And your grip may have been just barely fingertip. You know what I mean? Barely fingertip. But as we are fingertipping with God behind the scenes and perhaps unknown to us, He has an iron-clad grasp on us. And you may feel you're just a fingertip person right now with God. That so much is going on that it's as if I can't get through and I can't focus and I can't sustain. So you may feel that you're at fingertip relationship at the moment. But even though you feel that, remember this. God has an iron clasp grip on us. He's not going to let us go. Just as you would not let your own children drown willfully. They may be afraid. They may be worried. They may not have a sense of security. But as you are there, you know that they're going to be okay. Amen? I want to give you, give God the praise for what He's doing among us. I want to thank you for Rising up on a Saturday morning, what a strange day to come to church. And being here faithfully, forgiving. Forgiving in the face of some of you not knowing whether I'm going to have a job next week. But for looking, as Jesus did, into the tomb of Lazarus and seeing absolute darkness with the natural eyes, he saw life because he himself is life. And he brought forth Lazarus with a word. Thank you. Just wanted to take a moment to say that you as a congregation, there are a few exceptions, but you as a congregation are a, an easy congregation to minister to because you receive and walk in the ministry that the Lord is leading us in. With a few exceptions. Now... Just had a crick in the neck. Just had to... I was looking at Ray. I was looking at Ray. So, with that, let me officially begin the tape for the sermon this morning. <clears throat> the Lord gave me this title. You know, I was away the whole week. I left Monday, didn't get back to Thursday evening. Went up to Oklahoma City to be with a young couple who will be getting married in a couple of weeks. You want to know who it is, don't you? I think I can announce this. Eddie Moltson and Stephanie Roberts. Oh. And theirs will be a small private ceremony, so don't get your neck bent out of shape because you weren't invited. We went up there to be with them for several days just to walk through some issues with them since they were not able to be here. And so I spent a lot of time in the hotel room with my Bible, my books, and God, and nothing. I mean, I'm 
give me something. Lord, I need to have a word for these people. I knew it had to be something about a direction, but you know, zero, zero. And you see, the problem is, none of us want to, and actually we will not step up here and just talk for the sake of talking. We're not going to fill time. It's detrimental to you, and it's certainly detrimental to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I actually came to the place of saying this to the Lord Thursday morning as I was heading toward the airport. You haven't given me anything? And I'm going to stand before that church Saturday morning and say to the church, I don't have a word for you from the Lord because the Lord hasn't given me something. I will not just go teach something out of this Bible. That's an easy thing to do. But we are not going to do that. We must feel and understand we have God's word for us this morning. Otherwise, what good are we? And then it crossed my mind, but that would be detrimental, at least at this time, for you. And so I'm saying to the Lord, you ever converse with God this way, as if he's sitting next to you and you and he are discussing it and he doesn't understand things and you have to fill him in on issues that he has to understand in order to get it right? You know how God needs so much of our help? <laughs> I said, you know, that's not going to be good. I don't want that to happen. So getting on the plane at 11.15, the Lord drops in my heart what I'm going to talk about. And so getting back Friday, spent the day out there putting it together. I share that for this reason. God is at work. And His time is not our time. And his ways are not our ways. But his timing and his ways and his purposes are best. And once we all go through whatever the difficulties may be, we come out of them realizing this was good. But today, let us decide before we come out of the difficulties, let us say as we go into them and through them, this is good. Let us not be a people who must experience that which we consider good to say good. But let us say it is good going in, not knowing what's on the other side or whether we will ever reach the other side as some of us think. Amen? Let's be a people who are faithful to the goodness of God. Of course, then my question to God was, well, why didn't you give me this Monday so... I could relax a little more on Friday because I'm not used to a close shave. I haven't been used to a close shave for years. But that's not the Lord's way, is it? He will do what's good. And so this morning I want to follow up on what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember Elijah fleeing from what I call the storm of Jezebel? Remember in 1 Kings chapter 19. Remember we have said that God's man fled from the storm of Jezebel into the wilderness. He ran from that difficulty and that problem and those challenges that God had given into his life. Remember, we believe strongly in the absolute sovereignty of God. We don't believe that this is something that Jezebel came up with and I'm going to kill Elijah and then God is behind the scenes trying to figure out how to protect his prophet. We believe this, that God was in the midst 
of maneuvering circumstances and moving people and their desires and their actions to such a place that this woman is being used by the hand of God. Not so God maybe can bring something good out of it, hopefully, but that God is in the beginning, during, and at the end of this activity. And so he has a plan for Elijah. God is in control. He knows not only what's going to happen, he knows what's going to happen because he himself is the very fundamental underpinning activity of all that is happening as he maneuvers all things according to his sovereign will and for his glory. Aren't you glad it is not any other way? I would be horrified if something were going on in my life or the life of the church or whatever it would be and that I felt what well, God is not in that, but some kind of way God's going to come running up and make it right some kind of a way. Therefore, I'm hanging on to Romans 8.28 because I believe that God hopefully can run faster than the circumstances. That is not our God. Just read Isaiah 45 three or four times and you'll discover the sovereignty of God in a greater way. And so you remember Elijah had become temporarily overcome. I believe that maybe not all of us, but many of us have become temporarily overcome by the events of the last several months. And he had to have his confidence in the purpose and in the way of God restored. And I believe that's where we are. God is restoring our confidence, but not restoring it at the same level that it was. Because certainly God never desires to restore something to that which was, but to that which will be in a greater way. And so I have found in my own life in the last several months, I have had confidence in God, not in His great abilities, but confidence in understanding my reaction to Him, I've had that shaken. I've had it dealt with. I've had it exposed in a greater way. You see, because I've had to be shown that you're not the great man that maybe somebody would think, and hopefully no one thinks that. You're not as strong as people think you are, and hopefully people don't see it that way. We don't want them to see us or you to see us as weaklings. But we certainly want you to see us as men who lead, who are undergoing the same difficulties and the same pressures and the same molding and shaping and work of God in our lives as in yours. And you see, he had to come to a place that in order to continue in the purposes of God, God had to restore him. And not only restore him, as I said, to the place where he was, but restore him to a place of greater activity in the Holy Spirit. So you remember what the Lord did. He asked Elijah, What are you doing here? Why are you here? What's going on with you, Elijah? And then when Elijah heard that, then the Lord said, Elijah... Go on your way. Get up. Rise up, Elijah. I understand what's going on in your life. 
I have compassion on you. I want you to be able to grieve as others grieve, but not, as Paul says, remember to the Thessalonians, as those who are without hope, but grieve in the sense of looking toward the great work or the greater work of the Holy Spirit. Elijah, get up. Let's get up, Elijah, as the Lord would say, and let's together go on our way to complete the work that I have given to you. So this morning, I want to bring what I believe is the second part of God's Word to us as Phil Widener stands and prays for us this morning. Would you pray for us, brother? Amen. Amen. That's the benefit of having one of the elders here. They're always ready to pray. One thing about Phil, all you have to do is say the word, and he's ready. I asked this morning, would you lead in prayer? Yes. Then he says, well, can I come back and pray again? Of course, I knew he was going to do that. Some people you just can't shut down. You just can't do it. And you don't want to anyway. This morning... I believe the Lord, in relation to all that we have heard over the last two months, I believe the Lord wants us to, this morning, make a specific decision about what we're going to do. As I was putting this together, this is the title the Lord gave me for this word. And I'm excited about it because this is God. The timid ten or the trusting two. Don't you like that? Now, I can brag about that, Jim, because, you see, that's from the Holy Spirit, and I can brag about what God gives us. Will we be the timid ten or the trusting two? What are we going to be? What are we going to be? I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Last time, what are you doing here? Let me help you with this. Let me walk you through it. I understand. And as I say this, please don't say, well, Peter doesn't understand. Peter understands. I'm in the same boat that you were in. We're together in this. But, but, I today make a decision, as I've had to wrestle with day by day, not to be one of the timid ten, 
I want to be one of the trusting two. That's what I want to be, and that's, I know, what God wants all of us to be. Amen? He wants us to make a decision this morning in order that we be able as a church to rise up and continue greatly in the work that He's prepared us to do. Do you remember Israel, the nation of Israel? You remember the story? Perhaps you saw the movie. Remember, God had called and formed this nation. Why? So that they would be a testimony for His glory throughout the earth. So that as the nations of the world saw Israel, they knew that the God of Israel was God. That's what the Lord was declaring. That I may be declared as the Lord among you in great and in splendor glory. That's why God called Israel to be a nation. You remember, God had poured out His love and His provision, His compassion, His protection, and all of this upon this nation. And had taken them all the way to the promised land that He had promised all the way back from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all through those years. So that He would be declared as the great Lord of glory. Remember, Israel was God's special and holy nation. They were God's chosen people. They were set aside specifically for the purposes of God. In Deuteronomy 28, the Holy Spirit calls God's people a holy nation. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, the Lord says that the nation of Israel is my special people, my own possession. Now, when I say that, a holy nation, a special people, a chosen group, when you hear those words, you should remember a text from the New Testament. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You see, because what is said in the Old Testament about Israel is not only repeated in the New Testament concerning the church, but is the very fulfillment in its greatest way because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So what Peter is doing, all he is doing is reiterating what God has said about his people to Israel and bringing that into the context of the church to say that that which God did in Israel and was purposefully purposefully in Israel and for that nation and the way he was using them and within the entire context of God's work in Israel, all that was to be fulfilled in the church. So what does 1 Peter 2.9 say? He says this, but you are a chosen people. You see, we hear that echoed in Deuteronomy. You are a royal priesthood. You remember the great priesthood of Aaron. He says, you are a holy nation. You are a people for God's own personal possession. Now, that's what God calls them. God says this about us. And why did God choose us, His people? Why did God call us by name even before we were formed 
in the mother's womb. He did it for us for the same purpose that he did it for Israel. Look at the rest of the verse. In order that, so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, just as Israel was called out of darkness, remember the bondage of Egypt, into the light of God's presence at Sinai, remember all the lightning. Just as Israel was called out of bondage, we also have been called out of darkness. Just as Israel was called to be the people who would show forth the greatness and sovereignty of God upon the earth, so also we have been called for that purpose. Just as Israel was called to be the strong arm of the Lord upon the earth, so that the nations of the world would see the strength and the power of who God really is, so also we are called to be God's strong arm in this area today. Do you believe this? Amen? Do you believe that we are called unto these purposes of God? Because if we don't believe this, we cannot rise up and go forward. You see, these are not just words that excite us and are to elicit emotional responses, which they are supposed to. But they are supposed to move us into an activity of obedience and walking with God in a way that honors Him by faith. Just as Israel had to decide. Did you hear that word? Decide. Not feel, but decide. Decide against feelings. Decide against circumstances. Decide against difficulties. Decide against the unknown. Decide against whatever. But to decide because of the clear and purposeful Word of God and His presence among us, they had to make a decision. Just as we do. They had to make the decision whether or not they would go into the land of promise. They had to decide. And this morning, I believe that the Lord is calling us to decide what we are going to do as a church, to make a decision. I believe this morning is a time of decision. It's not a time of forgetting that which is past because I don't believe that's the Lord's purpose. We are not to forget that which is past. We are to remember it in relation to the, uh, the uh, faithfulness and power and sustaining work of God so that we will know that what He's done in the past, He will do in a greater way for the future. So not ignoring, not forgetting, not putting it aside, but within the context of where God has brought us, we decide where we will go from here on and whether we will continue to live in the morass of our difficulties and our frustrations and our bewilderment, or will we rise up as the church of Jesus Christ with the strong arm of God and begin to march into the land that God has given to us? There's a decision this morning. I have to make the decision just like you do. And I have to make the decision sometimes 42 times a day. Does that make sense to you? Is that okay to say that? Is it okay to say that I have to make the decision several times sometimes 
that I can make the decision and begin to walk, and all of a sudden something comes in and begins to smack me against that decision. And I, be, uh-oh, and I have to kind of collect myself again. And I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go again. and You know, like that. I have to do that just like you do. We're not men who are greater than you. We're not men who are different than you. We are all together the same generally in this way. But we have to make a decision. You see, like Israel, after being pulled out and drawn out of the house of bondage, the Lord is calling us, as He did with Israel, into a new future. Into a new future. Not to hang on to the past. Not to be like Israel. Oh, that we could go back to the way that it was in Egypt. Not to go back to where we whatever and however, and some of that will be restored and some of it won't. There are some folks that I've known in this city that I may never see again. There are some things that we may never do again. But God is calling us, I believe, this morning into a new future. A new future. When you were children, and I can remember when I was a child, there are about three little memories that I can get. You remember when your parents said, we're going on a vacation? How many of you remember parents saying that? About six of us. Okay. Did the rest of y'all never go on vacations? And we're going on a vacation. And what's the first question out of the child's mouth? Where and when are the first two, right? Where? And there was an excitement of doing and going somewhere new. You know why it was an excitement to the children? Do you know why it was an excitement to the children? Because, you see, they didn't have to hold the responsibility of putting the thing together and paying for it. <laughs> yeah, you're excited, but you don't know. I'm going to have to get the hotel rooms. I have to make sure we get gas. Make sure we get all get fed. I make sure we have the money. We, you know, and have to pay for this, right? Oh, I'm excited to go too. But you don't have to carry the burden. And so, because they didn't have to carry the burden, hey, this is a great thing. We're going on to a place and doing things that we are not ever having never experienced before, but we know it's going to be fun. That's what the children. That's why they get excited. You just lay a few burdens on them, and this thing won't be nearly as exciting. <laughs> well, you know, if they have to call the hotels and get the reservations, what? how much are we excited? And why aren't we as excited about a future that is before us? You know why? Because we believe incorrectly. We think incorrectly that we're carrying the burden of this. Come on, come on, come on, come on. As the old man says, preach with me. We believe we're carrying the burden. And guess what? We have a Father who does it all. We just must be walking in the midst of what He is doing. And if we do, we're going to have the greatest, if you would allow me to use the word, vacation that we've ever had. Rather than to say, oh no, Dad, I, I don't know about that. I'm afraid about that. You know, we may go to some place I've never been before and I'm not sure. And so I'm staying back. <clears throat> I 
Tony, would you give me that water, please? I am not responsible, thank you, brother, for carrying the burden for this. And neither are you. That's God's job. Are you with me this morning? It's God's job. Can we get that in our minds? As God's child, he is the one who has to make the hotel reservations. He is the one who maps out the course. He is the one in whose car we go. He is the one who pays for the meals. He is the one who decides where we're going and how long we're staying and what we're going to do. Amen? He is the one who does all of that. Ours is to go with him and to trust him in the midst of it. So as I said, Israel was brought to a place of making a decision. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. If you don't know the Old Testament, you are missing 90% of the goodness of the New Testament. Please let us be a people who know our Old Testament. Because this is a reality of what is spoken about in the New. The Old is the walk. The New is the doctrine explaining what is going on in the Old. And the two become one. As we turn to Numbers 13, the nation has come to the mountains of Sinai and has spread itself as a great blanket before the mountain of Horeb, on which you remember Moses previously had gone up to the burning bush and have received the word of God to deliver the nation out of bondage. And now the nation is at the foot of the mountains of Sinai before the Mount of Horeb, the Mount Horeb. And God Himself begins in thunderings and lightnings to come down from the mountain and begin to, and He presents to these people His law and His statutes. And the people receive this. And now the nation is ready, having been constituted by God, brought together under the leadership of Moses to be God's mighty people. Having been through all these experiences, God now is ready to move them out of the wilderness, out of the wanderings, out of the uncertainty, out of the dangers of whatever out there, into a new place. A new place of great blessing and great victory. That's where they are. That's where we are in Numbers 13. And so, as we turn, we will see that God's people are presented with the choice of a new future. A new future to possess a land that was unfamiliar. Lakeview, we have a new future in front of us to possess a land that's unfamiliar. Drive through the streets of New Orleans and you'll see land that is unfamiliar. I'm 62 yesterday. I've lived here all but three years of my life. This is unfamiliar territory as it used to be. A new future to walk in places where we've not walked before. Walked in ways we've not gone before. I don't know how to walk this. I've not walked it before. But I know my God knows how to walk it. I don't know where to walk, but God knows where to walk. 
to relate to people with whom we have never been associated before in ways that we have never had to associate before. It's new. I think that's half the problem. It's new. We get worried. Oh, look, let me tell you something. Let me give you a secret for those of you who are under 80. Newness doesn't do as well when you get older. You kind of like the old way and comfortable way. I don't want to move out of my place. But God is not a respecter of age. He is a respecter of His purposes. And He's going to move us, whether we're 80, 60, 20, 10, or whatever it is, for His glory and for our blessing. You see, because we're in the mix, aren't we? A new future to deal with new and complex and insoluble circumstances. How do you get a city of about 475,000 people back together functioning again? I am so glad God has not called me to be the mayor of the city of New Orleans. I don't know, other people may complain about him and he may do this and that, right or wrong, whatever, but we would have certainly been in a pickle had I been the mayor. So I can't complain about this man. I may agree with some things and disagree with the other things, but these people are faced with insoluble difficulties. Somebody bring me a glass of water or something. Sorry. You see, we're called in short. Hang on there with me. We're called in short to live differently. We have been called to live by faith, but now I believe God is calling us to a greater level and measure of faith than ever before. Now, that having been said, notwithstanding how my flesh feels, I am glad. Against my fleshly emotions sometimes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Against my disposition sometimes and my attitudes and my fears, frustrations or whatever, I can say, thank you, Lord, for calling me, us together, to walk in ways that will require greater faith than ever before. Greater faith than ever before. You see, we can't depend upon, and we thank God for this, what we've had in the past, but we can't depend upon all the alphas any longer, thank you. All the alphas anymore for the evangelism of the church. We can't depend upon that. Oh, yes, we may have an alpha. But we can't depend upon it in the same way, can we? We can't depend upon maybe ministering to one another in the same way. And in the same depth and with the same abilities that we had before. Things are changing. Things have changed. And things will change. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord is ready for the nation to cross over to the Jordan and ready to bring them into their new future, for which He has been preparing them all these years since Abraham. Now, we're talking about 430, 40 years. God has been getting things ready for this moment, and now we're ready to go. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send out a man from each of the father's tribes, every one a leader among them. You notice the words, I am going to give this to you. Within the context of God's promise to Abraham, I'm going to give you a new land. For the Lord commands Moses to send out twelve men into the land so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which the Lord is going to give to them. What happened? You remember? You remember the ten spies returned with a negative report? Do you remember the story? You see, they saw the benefits. Milk and honey. Beautiful cities. All the business opportunities. We've never seen a land like this. They saw all the benefits. But you see, they stumbled over the difficulties. They saw what God wanted to do. They saw their future. But they stumbled over how to do it. They stumbled over the way, the means, the walk to get there. However, two of the spies, remember Joshua and Caleb? Two of the spies saw the same benefits. And they saw the same difficulties. There are a lot of tall people around here. These people carry big spears and swords and have big shields and are nasty looking and don't like us. There's great and fierce opposition to moving into the future. There are problems, difficulties, insurmountable barriers. But when Joshua and Caleb saw these, which also the others saw, they saw them differently. They saw them through the eyes of faith in the power of God who promised to be with them. How are we seeing our future this morning? Think personally. Take your time. We have all day. How am I personally seeing my personal involvement in what God is going to do through Lakeview Christian Center, or at least desires to do? How do I see my involvement within the corporate structure of what God is going to do or hopes to do with this church? Am I seeing it in such a way that as I look on the horizon of the new land and I see a new future, I don't know what exactly it is. I don't know how it's going to be lived out. I don't know 
where we're going to be and what we're going to do, but we know it's a new future. And then in the midst of all of that, I see all of these other things that cause my heart to quiver. Amen? Will I give in to the quivering or will I make a decision to trust in the power of my God who raised up His Son from the dead and exalted Him to the highest place so that we could be His children? It's a decision. It's not a feeling. I'm telling you, I know for me, it's a decision. Which, when I make it within the context of God's purpose and power and presence, then He gives me the feelings that I need to have in order to walk strongly and courageously. Amen? Remember what Jesus said to Martha, Did I not tell you that if you believe, then you will see? We want to see and then we will believe. But the Lord says, believe first. Trust in my arm of strength. And as you do, I will bring it all together for you. Well, it's difficult. Yes, it is. It's a wrestling match. Yes, it is. I don't know what's going to happen. Yes, that's true. But is any of that truly and eternally relevant? Or is the relevancy this? Are we or are we not going to trust the sovereign purpose of our God, church? You see, to the ten, the challenges of the new, the difficulties, the unknown, just think about what we're doing today, where we are now. Think about all your difficulties and problems and the unknown. Think about your circumstances as I say this. To the ten, these challenges, the cost and the sacrifices were too much for them and they allowed their faith to be choked off. Are you here this morning and you literally feel your faith being choked off? Do you feel your faith being choked off by the cold and slimy hands of an enemy as he places around your neck the circumstances of what we are experiencing? If you do today, hopefully will be the day that you say, to the enemy, to the circumstances, no more. No more. You see, because the child of God has authority over that when he says to the enemy, no more. That breaks the ability of the enemy in our lives. Faith in God to say what? No more. You've done enough. And your day is over. And I will rise up. And I will be the person of God that He's called me to be. No more. If you're in that place today, say by faith in Christ Himself and the power of the Holy Spirit, no more. 
No more. Listen to the testimonies of both groups. Look at chapter 13, verses 27 and 28. Listen to the testimonies of the timid ten. And let us discern, is this testimony akin to what we are feeling and perhaps even saying? And I have to, even the other day, I'm talking to someone and I'm saying, that, yeah, I don't know what's <clears throat> going to happen. I know it's going to be difficult and I just don't know. And all of a sudden, hey, 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 Goofy, Goofy, wake up. Why are you saying that? Where's your trust? It's a battle. Don't feel strange that you're in a battle. And don't think you're the only one having the battle. But I believe that today we can be determined, even though we are having battles, not to be overcome by the battle, but to overcome in the battle. Not to be victims, but to be what? Victors in Christ. I believe that can be true of us, and it better be true of us, for the glory of God. So let's look at these verses, 13, chapter 13, verses 27 and 28. Here are the spies. <clears throat> and thus they told him, they said to Moses, reporting back to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. There's a lot of potential here. There's a lot the Lord wants us to do. Oh, yes, absolutely. Look at the opportunities. Nevertheless. <laughs> See the word? Nevertheless. When you and I are considering the work of God, never use the word nevertheless in relation to the will and power and purpose of our God. It does not exist as far as the Word of God is concerned to His purposes and power. He is not a nevertheless God. Nevertheless. Do you hear yourself? Do I hear myself looking around saying, yes, a new day for the church. Yes, new opportunities. Yes, yes. But nevertheless, I struggle with this occasionally. I think we all do to some extent in some areas. Nevertheless, I'm not going to be overcome, are you? I think I contradicted what I said, so just tweak that a little bit. <clears throat> Jim knows how to tweak on the run, right, Jim? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, nevertheless... The people, the circumstances, the challenges, the unknown, the difficulties. The people are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, moreover we saw the descendants of Enoch there. Remember that? The, the, the tall guys. You know, the eight or nine foot people walking around. See, are we looking at our future, seeing a bunch of giants? Yes. You better see giants, because if you don't see giants, you are not seeing clearly. There are giants out there. Giants. Everywhere. The place is crawling with giants. 
See, I'm not so foolish to say, oh, there are no giants around here. Wait, you know, there are giants out there. But you know where mostly the giants are? In my heart. In my mind. That's where the biggest giant is. Listen to the trusting too. Chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people. Calm down, everybody. Calm down, everybody. I know they're giants, but calm down. Wait, wait. Hold it. I know they're difficult, but hold, just give me a moment. Quiet down. Calm down. I mean, John chapter 6, Jesus says, Had the people sit down. Sit down. Quiet down. Listen to me. Settle down. He settled them down. Lakeview. Let's settle down as far as what's out there. Let's settle down. Let's see what's out there, but let's settle down. As to our fears and frustrations and the challenges, let's settle down. He quieted the people before the, uh, Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Turn to chapter 14, just the next page over. <clears throat> and listen to the continuing words of Caleb, this man who trusted in the promises of God. And he says this in chapter 14. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. You know why the city of New Orleans is a good land? Because the purpose of God is in that city for us. You know why that's a good land? Because the glory of God is to be manifested in that land. Are you with me today? It's a good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then He will bring us into His, this land and give it to us, give to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people, the problems, the circumstances, the burdens, the difficulties, the unknown. Don't be afraid. He was aware of their fear. He says, don't be afraid. For they will be our prey, their protection, has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. What's binding us, if anything, this morning? Fear. May I give you this definition of fear, which I heard from a preacher years ago? Write it down if you can't remember things. Fear is believing a lie. I don't like it when preachers say fear is lack of faith. No, fear is huge faith, but in a lie. Fear is believing a lie. I remember the time I had a little string hanging from my ear, some kind of whatever it was, and it was tickling my ear, and I thought it was a roach. I reacted to that lie fastly and swiftly and almost beat my head off. <laughs> and it was a string. You know, had I known it was a string, nothing. But because I thought it was one of those four-foot roaches, I almost gave myself a concussion. <laughs> Am I the only one who's ever done this? <laughs> 
fear causes us to act in ways that we would never act before. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That's what fear is doing to us in relation to God's purposes for this church at this time. You see, the timid ten saw the same land that the trusting two saw. But you see, the timid ten saw the land through the eyes of the natural. You see, the timid ten saw the giants. The trusting two saw the giant killer whose name is Jesus Christ. Look at the giants. See them. Know that they're there. Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Let us look at these giants and know this. That there is a giant killer who is with us and in whose strength we march forward if we decide to do it. What was the result of their saying no? See, the flesh recoils. When they heard, the, the people heard the difficulties and the hardships. Remember when they heard the report? They stumbled in their faith over God's promises. You remember that? Can't do it, can't do it. No, 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 no. Ooh, no, get away from that. It's too difficult. We have too many other things. My house is in this condition. You don't understand my personal life. I, we do understand these things. But we cannot allow the giants to govern us and to stomp on us. We must, by faith, call upon the giant killer to stomp on the giants around us. And so as a result, what happened? They grumbled against the Lord and the Lord's leadership. <laughs> I sometimes grumble against the leadership too. Oh, I don't know, you know, are you sure? And the decision was made not to go into the land of promise. Look at Numbers 14 again, verses 22 and 23. They decided not to go. They decided for their fears. They decided for their fears. Look at the response of the Lord. They shall by no means see the land, which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurn me see it except for my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. <clears throat> we, don't want, we do not want to be a church where the Lord says, you've decided to say no. I will not use you in the glory that I had intended for you. I don't want that to happen, do you? You see, if we say no, whether individually or collectively, but to the extent that any of us says no, 
The Lord will minister and deal with us in whatever. But if we harden our hearts, the Lord's activity to bring us into a new land will be withdrawn from us. And we're going to lose a lot of opportunities to experience the glory of the Lord and the blessings of God in our lives. The result, 40 years of wandering around. 40 years. 40 years. You see, they weren't able to go back to that which they were living. We will never go back to where we were. It's gone. It's forever erased. The history book is closed. The thing is locked down. It'll never be open again. Don't even begin to think if we could go back. The thing is closed forever. We have a choice to try to go back and unlock that which God Himself has locked or to go forward. I know we don't want to be a wilderness church. They had to wander for 40 years in order, wander in the wilderness for 40 years in order to do what? In order to trust in God. We don't want the Holy Spirit to set Lakeview Christian Center's anointing and power in the Holy Spirit aside for a month, six months, a year, or 10 or 15, 20 years while God is working greater faith in us. We want to be a church that rises up. Oh, yes, we have questions. We have concerns and whatever else. But we can rise up today and decide today in the face of all of that, in spite of all of that, we will make a decision to follow our God. Because the result will be a wilderness. It will be. We cannot go back to that which we have. It isn't there any longer. You see, notice in chapter 14, verses 44 and 45. Notice this. We're up further. In verse 40, chapter 14, the Lord says, I'm not with you. You're not going to decide to go with me. I'm not with you. And then the people say, oh, we made a mistake. Well, maybe we'll do it anyway. We'll do it anyway. We'll have alphas anyway. We'll have covenant groups anyway. We'll design it differently. We're not going to go that way, but we're going to have church this way. Oh, no, we won't. You see, because in the morning in verse 40, however, the people rose up and went early to the ridge of the hill country saying, here we are. We have indeed sinned, but we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. And Moses said, don't do it. Don't do it. You can't go because the Lord you have decided against him is not with you. And so in verses 44 and 45, we read this. But they went up heedlessly to the ridge of the hill country. Neither the Ark of the Covenant nor the Lord nor Moses left the camp. They had left the purposes of God and were on their own for this period of time. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in all the hill country came down, struck them, and beat them down as far as Horeb. Now, you see, they were afraid of the enemies on across the new land. But because they decided to go in fear and decided to be following their fear... The enemies of that land were not the problem any longer. The enemy in their own heart began to defeat them. 
You see, we have a choice. We can rise up and we're going over and it's going to be a tough road to hoe. I don't know. Don't know how long and who and when and what and all that. But if we say no, what's going to happen is we ain't going to be safe, honey child. The enemy within our heart that said no to faith in Christ will rise up and defeat us where we are. So mark this. We will have warfare. And we will have challenges and difficulties. That's not the question. Never has been, never will be. The question is this. Will we be defeated by our failure to trust Christ or will we be victorious because of our decision to trust Christ? It's the only two avenues we have. There is no middle ground. You may say, well, we don't have much wiggle room here. We're not supposed to be wiggling. Israel had failed to rise up and follow the Lord into the new land which He had promised them. Look at the second decision. There are two decisions in front of us. No to the promised land, or it's this next one. Remember the book of Joshua? You remember 40 years later? In Joshua is recorded the second decision that Israel made. The second decision. We have one of two decisions. We ain't got three. It's either door number one or door number two. Both of them have the results. Door number one, the wrong decision, has catastrophe and danger and enemies overcoming me here and now. Because I can't go anywhere else. Door number two says, let's march forward and we're going to have battles. Yes, but those battles are going to be in a victory of the Son of God. We have a choice. After many years of wandering, the nation had learned to trust in the promises of God and they were now ready by faith to move in to the promised land. You see, nothing in the land had changed. And in fact, I believe 40 years later, a lot of the children of these tall people became tall people themselves. So you probably had even more tall people. These people had kids. So 40 years, you know, you may have 100,000 more tall folks. This thing may be worse today than it was 40 years ago. they probably putting more bricks on the walls, bringing in more reinforcements. So maybe that's changed. But basically, you understand, nothing has changed. Nothing about the land had changed. You know what had changed? Their faith in God had changed. Their faith in Christ. Victory and power and purpose had changed. See, the people knew there would be challenges and difficulties. It's the same stuff. But the difference this time was that their eyes were upon the Lord. The Lord who had promised to be with them. The Lord who said that when you face the difficulties, I am in the midst. You remember in chapter 5 of Joshua? He's walking down the road and he sees this very, very tall man in his very shiny armor. And he realizes, oh my Lord, this is somebody important. And he says, are you for us or against us? Very good question. <laughs> and the man in the armor says, neither. But I am the captain of the hosts of the Lord. 
Take off your shoes from off your feet, for the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. Joshua was facing the Lord of glory, clad in his great armor, the same Lord who had spoken to Moses, the same Lord who went to the cross, the same Lord who was risen today is that Lord. And He is the one who says, Go with Me, and I will go with you into this new land. That's our promise. He is our promise. You remember the word He told Joshua? Be strong and be courageous. It's the same word the Lord says to us this morning. Lakeview, be strong and be courageous. Don't be timid. Be trusting. Which camp are we going to be a part of? Are we going to be like the timid ten or the trusting two? You see, like Israel, we're facing probably the most difficult and challenging days of our history as a church and the history of this area. We're in a new day, friends. This is a new day. But what happened when Israel took possession of the land? What happened when they said, we will be the trusting two? What happened? You see, they experienced the greatest warfare, but at the same time, they experienced the greatest victories. You see, we love to sing victory in Jesus, which we don't sing much here, but you understand. Victory in Jesus. We love that. But the victory is only victory through the warfare. We love to sing about the resurrection, but there is no resurrection without first a death. And there is no death without suffering first. You see, they experienced the greatest warfare, but the greatest victory. They experienced the greatest testings, but the greatest blessings. The greatest strife, but the greatest peace. The greatest sorrow, but the greatest joy. What do we want? Do we want to be known as the timid ten? Remember Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7? He says this, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of fear. God has not given us that. If you have that, it is not from God. But He has given us what? Spirit of power and of love and of a disciplined or sound mind. That's what God has given to us, His church. Do we want to be known as the trusting two? You see, just as the Lord spoke to Israel through Joshua, I believe the Lord says to us today, Lakeview Christian Center, choose you this day. This morning. Today, October 29th. 2005, at three minutes to twelve, whom you will serve. If we choose for the Lord, what will be the result? I'm going to try to go through this quickly because 
I don't want to go over my time, which I'm going to anyway. Turn quickly, if you would, to Psalm 23. What is going to be the result if we choose to go with the Lord on this? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you today. Not feel your way through it, not emotionalize yourself, but make a decision in the context of the Word and the power and the purpose and the presence of our God. Choose today whom we will serve as a church to fulfill the purposes of God. What would be the result if we choose for God? Look at Psalm 23, 4 through 6. We will experience this. This is what we will experience. In verse 4, we will experience a fearless walk. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with us. We will, we will experience a, fe- a fearless walk. Do you want a fearless walk? We must decide to go with Christ. A confident walk. Look at verse 4 again. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A confident walk. Do we want to have a fearless and a confident walk? A prepared walk. A prepared walk. Thou preparest a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. An anointed walk. Thou anointest my head with oil, the Holy Spirit. Pour it out upon us. We want to experience the pouring out and the blessing and the great presence of the Holy Spirit. We have got to say yes to following the Lord. And He will pour out upon us His anointing to do it and to move us and to take us all the way through. Not only an anointed walk, but finally a blessed walk. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, an eternal walk, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want this kind of a walk for all of us. I believe the Lord this morning, this morning, is calling us to a decision. Remember what Moses said to the people? With his staff, he drew a line in the sand, in the dirt. And he said this, those of you who are on the Lord's side, come on over. And the Lord made a separation of the people. Thems who would walk with God and thems who would not. And those who walked with the Lord saw the great victory of God, even in the wilderness. But they still died. And they didn't see the promised land. And those who said no Lord, I believe today draws a line in our sand at this church. And I believe the Lord says to Lakeview Christian Center, Center, those of us who are here and those of us who are going to be listening by tape and those of us who are not going to be listening, 
listening, but I believe today is the day of the Lord for this. This is not something that I take lightly. I believe that today is the very day that God has said, today I want you to make a decision. Those of you who are on my side, to walk with me and I in you, I want you to come on over. You see, there are giants in the land. We believe that. But we have a giant killer. We have a giant killer. We can choose either to fight or not to fight. But if we decide to fight, we can fight with the assurance that our God will make us more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Amen? This morning I believe the Lord wants us to decide which course we're going to take as a church. Are we going to decide for on the side of convenience and comfort give in to difficulties and despair and the unknown. It's easy to do that. Isn't it easy? How many of you will say that's easy? Oh, it is so easy to say, Lord, I want to walk away from this and go somewhere else. But you see, for such a day as this, God has been preparing this church. For such a day as this, God has been teaching us through Romans sovereignty and power and purpose. For such a day as this, the Lord has been filling this church with new people and zeal. For such a day as this, the Lord has been teaching us about signs and wonders and miracles. And all of a sudden, we come to the very place of seeing God ready to move in the fulfillment and in the culmination of what He has been preparing us for years for. And are we going to stumble at this very place? Or are we as a church to say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust God because I believe on the other side are going to be greater days than ever before. Oh, greater difficulties, greater strife, greater fighting, greater all that. But eclipsing all of that will be a greater revelation and experience of our God. That's what's on the other side. We have to fight battles. Are we going to rebuild the old church or not? Knock it down, remodel it? We, we don't know. Battle. Or we have to buy new, the places next door or not. The places behind there move over here. To, we don't know. Battles. Or some of our people coming back or they're not. What about the financial difficulties that are within the context of the congregation already? Battles. How can we help one another rise up? There's some in this congregation that the most damage you had was a twig fell off your tree. Thank God for that. But if that's your place, <clears throat> then rise up and let yourself be known that you may help those who have lost everything. I must say this to us. 
We have done excellently in many areas. We've done preeminently, I think, in some areas. But I think some areas we've really done poorly. There's some here and you haven't been touched by the storm in a natural way. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, maybe the side of your house was scratched when the tree fell down or you had to rake. Are we to buy new, the places next door or not? The places behind there move over here. We don't know. Battles. Are some of our people coming back or they're not? What about the financial difficulties that are within the context of the congregation already? Battles. How can we help one another rise up? There's some in this congregation that the most damage you had was a twig fell off your tree. And thank God for that. But if that's your place, then rise up and let yourself be known that you may help those who have lost everything. I must say this to us. We have done excellently in many areas. We've done preeminently, I think, in some areas. But I think some areas we've really done poorly. There's some here and you haven't been touched by the storm. In a natural way. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, maybe the side of your house was scratched when the tree fell down or you had to rake up some leaves. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen? Thank you, God, for that. But then rise up and let the church know, I'm fine. I am available with whatever I need to do to help those who have suffered greatly. Let us come out of the woodwork and be ministering to one another. That which we learned, or at least we talked about learning in Romans 12 about genuine love. The love that really makes the Lord visible and powerful in our midst. Let's share with one another. Let's open our hearts and our homes to one another. Let's be available to one another. There's a huge rebuilding in this just congregation right here. Let us come forth into one another's lives to help one another. Battles. Where are we going to meet? Next week, the next week, next week here. But, you know, where are we going to go? New sanctuary, new place, regulation. We can't do that. Battles, difficulties. How are we going to be led? Where are we going to go? What about the city? What about the adverse circumstances? What about ministering and all of that filth out there? You know what? I believe that for such a day as this, we have been trained and prepared. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that what God has been doing, we have heard words and testimony. Phil read this morning from Hebrews 12 about the Lord saying, this is it. You make a decision. He read that this morning not knowing where we were going. Go back and reread that in Hebrews 12. Didn't you quote that? About verse what? 15, 16, somewhere around there? 25, thank you. Go back and read it. The Lord is saying something to us, church, and He's saying this. You want to glorify me? You want to have my smile upon your life so when you stand before me on that day, I may be able to say, well done. You did not forsake my ways. Today is the day. We need to make the decision. That's fine, heads. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to honor the Lord in this and overcome any fears 
that may be holding you back. If you were here this morning, and I would say that there will be some of you here, and that's okay. You've heard what we said, and you're still saying, yeah, but I can't, I can't, I can't, or I won't. whatever the term is. I feel that I, you know, I'm immobile, immobile right now. If you feel that way, but yet at the same time, you recognize God has not given me this spirit. And I don't want it to overcome me. If you want to acknowledge that and ask the Holy Spirit to break that spirit, which is not from God, I would ask you to get up and come on down and stand on this side. There may be some here. And you say, I'm still struggling. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really having a problem. I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to do it, but I have a real difficulty. If you're here, don't let fear keep you back. Let's be a people who break the power of fear this morning by asking God to do something, by publicly announcing it so we, the church, together may be able to minister to one another. I had to go through this kind of a battle for several days in my own life. Are you here today? And you need to come down to say, I acknowledge my fear. The Word says, if you humble yourself, God will give grace to you. But He will resist the proud. If you are feeling this and you resist the Lord, God is going to resist you. Don't do that. I had to struggle. If Keith had given this altar call a few weeks ago, whatever, I would have been the first one down. And I'm one of the pastors of the church. I had to struggle too. I don't go down this morning because I've been through this. Are you having any? You feel it in you. You feel it in your guts. <laughs> you feel it. You say, well, that'll be okay. Don't do that. It's just going to get bigger. Deal with it today. I believe today is a day of decision for you. And we have two or three people down here. Would some of those of you who have fought this battle and you believe that God has given you the victory, come down. If you don't believe that, don't lay your hands on anybody. You stay where you are. Someone come down and be ministering to each of these brethren. You believe the Lord has taken you through this and you know what I'm talking about. You've been through it. Come down and join these brethren and be praying for them.